Gesund. Hello, Miyuki Okiranta here. And this is Earshot on RN Summer. Get up in the morning and it's about 30 degrees. Come lunchtime, probably 45 in the shed. And you look out through a big shutter, no window or anything. All you see is brown dirt, dust, sheep, the odd tree, heaps of those white birds. Cockatoos? Yeah, that'll be what it is, yeah. Man, there's all sorts going on. Pretty daunting, pretty daunting. That's Tom. He's been a shearer for most of his life. And he spent a big chunk of it working with his daughter, Tia. It might sound really strange, but even at, for someone so young and a, and a girl, I wanted nothing more than just to get in, in the car and drive out on the open highway, heading out towards the dusty shed for weeks on end, in the middle of nowhere, basically. She is just the female version of myself. Kanamala, Thargaminda. That's all there is to it. Cooper Pedy, Lightning Ridge, Will Kenya, all those sort of isolated places and that. Shearing is one of the hardest physical jobs around, done in extreme temperatures. And so it takes a certain breed. You've got to love life on the road and have a pretty thick skin. You'd wonder who the hell wants to live in this God-forsaken country, but... Um, Let alone buddy go yeah. out there and work for weeks exactly. on end. In a... yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, fr- right. it was just freedom in every yeah. which way. Shearers and rouseabouts are our modern-day swag people, straddling two worlds following work around the country, living rough and sleeping under the stars. But this isn't just a story about shearing. It's a story about a father and a daughter, a story of wild adventures, of adversity and redemption. And like most of those kinds of stories, there's a little bit of colourful language. So come pull up a chair on the veranda with Tom and Tia and our guide, producer Leith Alexander. Hello. My name's Leith, and I grew up on a sheep farm in southern Western Australia. Some of my earliest memories are of the shearing shed. I slept in a cot while mum and dad were shearing. I picked up and sorted wool as a kid for lollies. And as I got older, I went rouseabouting for money. Along the way, I met Tia and Tom. My name's Tom. Pleased to meet you. Look, um, yeah, I've been in the industry for a good 40 years. I'm a shearer, been a contractor, been a dag boy, rousy, pressed wool, had my ass kicked over in the gate, cut the meat up for the cook, you name it. I've been right through the industry. You might have picked up a bit of an accent there, and that's because Tom grew up near a small farming town on the North Island of New Zealand with his volatile father. Well, he was a farmer, and then the farm got sold under him, so the story goes. I don't know, I was only about seven. We were hungry all the time, and you know? we'd get pinched from the shops, all sorts of things. It was hard as a kid. Oh, I used to get a hiding all the time. I used to get bashed. I used to get thrashed. Always my fault. Get locked in the bathroom till my dad get home, and then he'd come flying in the bathroom, pull his belt off, and whack me. Oh, man. Never ending. The last time he gave me a hiding, I put my hands behind my back and looked him in the eye, and I said to him, If you hit me this time, I'm going to fight back. That was it. No, I'm going shearing. You need cooling, baby, I'm not fooling. I was bad. (laughs) So at 13, Tom left home 
and school to move in with a shearer named Chief. Chief knew all about Tom's home life, and so even though he had six kids of his own, he gave Tom a bed and a job as a wool presser. That's when you load all the wool into a press to make a massive 200 kilo bale. That was hard work, it was real hard work because there was no mechanicals, you had to wind them down. And you had to go and get the smoker, you had to cut the meat up, cut the wood for the coal range fire, you had to do everything. <laughs> I learned to shear real quick. It's just poetry in motion, really. I think that's why music plays such a role. You feel music. And a sheep can feel you, you can feel the sheep. If you strain naturally, they can sense it. If your tools are not sharp or not cutting properly or you're doing something wrong, of course they're going to retaliate. Mentally, you've got to be thinking all the time. After five years working in the shearing sheds, Tom started dating a rouseabout he'd been working with. And a few years later, they got hitched. Yeah, went down to the office and got a certificate. Had a few beers. <laughs> yeah, that was it. That was the wedding. I made loads of mistakes. When I say mistakes, I was married at home and single out in the field. Well, needless to say, the marriage didn't last. But by this stage, they had two kids, Tia and Jake. It took me about 10 years to tell Tia's mother that, yeah, that was my fault, I fucked that up. No, you just deny it. Nah, no, I don't feel with her or that. But, you know, you can't deny it when the woman turns up with a kid. So when Tom met an Aussie shearer who said there was heaps of work in Australia, he was up for it. So I said, oh, yeah, if I turned up, can I have a job? Well, the marriage had broke down, I was out of there. Tom left the luscious paddocks of New Zealand and his family and went shearing somewhere completely different the hot, dry plains of Western Australia's Murchison. Hopped off the plane, I got to Dongara, forget how, I got there. And then about two days later, I got carted out to Mount Magnet. Man, it was hot all the way out there. Get up in the morning and it's about 28, 30 degrees. Come lunchtime, 40, probably 45 in the shed. Rainwater was red hot. There's no air conditioning, there was no relief. It didn't take long for Tom to start missing his wife and kids, and so they moved over from New Zealand to join him. They had another son, but again, it didn't work out, and his wife took the kids to Victoria. Tia was only eight, and she really missed her dad. I don't know, like, it wasn't Mum's fault. I just wanted to be back with Dad, because Mum was trying to sort things out with herself, and she wasn't, she didn't really have much time for us. Her mum did it hard. She had 13 children. They were very dysfunctional. I didn't know my grandparents on both sides. It sort of went down the chain like with us. So after three years away from her dad, Tia and her two brothers moved back to Dongra. But by this stage, Tom had a new wife. She didn't want us there. We felt unwanted. We knew that. She would um, put me down and, um, you know, just say silly things like, oh, you're ugly and you're and your, your little bee and this, and quite a few lies being told, so she would get us in trouble, and we'd end up getting a hiding for it. It was a pretty hard situation. The stepmother was full of shit. I was away working hard, and all she did was give them a hard time and spend all the money. I wasn't aware of a lot of things until after I finally got rid of her. I actually had a physical fight. I think they both got a shot, because I stood up to her. And I'll clean the barbecue and Dad had his back to me and she's standing there pulling faces at me. 
could feel myself burning up inside and I'm thinking, She's, she knows she can do this because I'm not going to do anything. And then I thought, nah, buggy her. And I just punched her in the face. <laughs> well, that was it. She knew her days of buddy carrying on, that was it. That it all changed from that moment. So Tia left home and school and hit the road with Tom to become a rasabout. She was just 14, the same age as her dad was when he started. That first trip up north with Dad, it felt really good. Felt like I was free. So we went up to Manbury Station up north. There's three stations that stick out. One is Kirkalocka, the other is Hill Springs and then Wandergy. Kirkalocka's in Mount Magnet, so they were all run by the same family and they were a lovely family. And I remember the old lady, she'd be outside in the yards with her little tin can rattling. Come on, come on. <laughs> but all of her sheep, like she had bloody over 80,000 on night. And every one of her sheep were her pets. Come on, come on. And give them a little pack, come on. My relationship with Dad at that stage was a lot better, more of a friendship. It was good fun. We did everything. It didn't matter what it was. Go to the pub or whatever, you know. Hey, she's just my best mate. I just couldn't wait to have the chance to get in a dirty old car and travel for hours along the highway. And on that first trip, Tom put 14-year-old Tia behind the wheel. <laughs> and, like, there's big road trains on this highway too, and I've never done anything like this. He's like, right, you'll be fine. I'll just... Cos it was an automatic old... Oh, it was this disgusting brown colour too. <laughs> and I, used, I was always glad we are driving at night because I hated being seen in this car. Disgusting light brown with this big crazy, he made it himself, this Mad Max bull bar, like it was just booty ass. And all he says to me is, if you come up to a road train, just wake me up and I'll show you what to do. Yeah, those were the days, you get away with anything. Of course it was breaking the law and that, but yeah, she was just about to drive off from a bloody fuel station if she wanted to <laughs> by the time she got her licence, she knew everything. <laughs> I felt like I was in control and I was just saying, I hope he doesn't wake up, because I wanted just to keep driving. Just dust and dirt, drive for miles down big ruts in the roads and corrugations, wreck your car, wreck everything. And then suddenly out of the blue you'd come around a corner and there's a great big tin shed, just like a monument in the middle of nowhere. And that's your home for a week, a month, six weeks. It just becomes, comes alive. For some reason that shed just, I was mesmerised by it. It felt like nowhere. And for some reason I loved it. Didn't worry me being away from suburbia or anything and the hustle and bustle of other people. It was like home. I mean, one time we were there and we saw almost 40,000 sheep. So you're looking at a month and a half without a day off. And then when we'd finally make it to a station, we'd often be the last to arrive. And it was like, you're not in this five-star hotel, it's like just a bit of tin shed with a concrete floor and a window with maybe, if you're lucky, maybe one or two shutters intact and an old wool pack as a um, fly screen or a bit of privacy. <laughs> there might be an old gate bed outside and mattress being just a dirty old bit of foam with a bit of cloth hanging off it. So yeah, that would be our bed and we'd pull it out in the, on the flat and sleep under the stars. 
Exactly, and then you'd wake up, or the cook would start, she'd have an early start, so she'd be up at five, so the next minute would be jug, 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 so that'd be your alarm clock, five o'clock. Mornings at the shed are always an early start, and even though shearers are some of the wildest characters you'll ever meet, somehow they always manage to get up at the crack of dawn. We walk in and it's quiet, apart from the bleats of the bears or the sheep and a bit of small chitter-chat and everyone's, all the shearers are setting up their hand pieces and yet yeah, we're all looking around, yeah, waiting to warm up and get started, get into it and next minute there's a shearer turns on his hand piece, gets it warmed up and... And then that first song is cranked right up. Bang, get there it is, your day's begun and you're flat out for two hours until you stop, until smoke, eh? All you want to do is beat the person next to you. And if you beat them once, you got to keep beating them, otherwise you get boohooed. Oh, he dropped his ass. You're probably picking out 100, 100 fleeces each run, so 400 fleeces a day. Such a workout for your bum. It is, it's great workout actually, yeah. You've got to be bent down in a squat position. If the wool's coming off the sheep, he's Sean and he's doing his last couple of blows. So you're picking up the fleece and then you grab your front legs, you've pulled it over and you tuck it under to grab your back legs. And then you've got it all nice and tight and huddled in, you're holding onto it. And then when you go up to the table, you throw it out so it flies out like a perfectly laid blanket. As, as she progressed, she was very good at what she did. She was taught by the best in the world, world champions at the time. Oh, really proud of her, you know, really proud of her. I had a lot of pride in my job too and I was actually quite a good roustabout and um, I could see Dad was happy with that and it made me proud because I'd made him proud for the first time because he was, he was always working, he wasn't around for school things or anything like that, yeah, for once getting acknowledged for that. You've got to have music. Most of the shearers find their rhythm with the music going and they're just pumping the sheep out, just bang, bang, bang. A lot of 80s. Start me up. I'll never stop. Stevie Nicks, a lot of, what's he, the white wing dove? The white wing dove. <laughs> Oh, that bloody hot chocolate, you sexy thing. Oh. That's like, oh, that's like, that song used to come on quite a lot for some reason. I did have a few, quite a few people telling me, you know, don't try and grow up too quick, but I was in a rush to grow up. I just wanted to be like them. Being female and working around so many men, I experienced a lot of sleaziness and, and being hit on and sexual comments made, like about your appearance, the way you look. You know, I respond back to it with a bit of sarcasm and, um, yeah, not to take it too seriously when actual fact, you know, it is a serious, well, you're being harassed, but yeah, that's how I dealt with it. Not all shearers were, were pigs and disrespected women, but a lot that I knew did. 
Like, you might have someone say, oh, well, I'll jump into your bed tonight, yeah, and, and you'd be like, yeah, okay, yeah, no worries, good on you, sort of thing. So it wouldn't cause friction, so they weren't being offended if I, yeah, was serious and put your foot down and bloody took offence to it. If you were working in an office, you'd have all the rules and, and regulations, you know, and it wouldn't be tolerated, but in the, in the shearing industry, there's none of that. Behind my back, my best mates would try the bullshit on here. I found out in later years. But this was common within the industry, unfortunately. Working and living in such close quarters can create a pretty intense vibe. The air hums with sexual tension, from the physicality of the job, the sweaty bodies working in synchronicity, the finely honed muscles on display, and the beat of the music. But that tension can also manifest in other ways. We were sharing at one place once and we had a very, very, a world champion, Rousey. <laughs> and um, she got her nose sort of a little bit pulled out of joint with this class of girl. And she wasn't bad looking either, actually, but um, suddenly the shit hit the fan and the next thing, Dad, Dad! It's like there's been a few, like, effing bitch and this and that. <laughs> and I thought, oh, some, oh something's going to happen here. <laughs> and then bloody Tina's jumped across the table, bloody knocked this class out, just boom, punched yeah. her in the face. Dad, Dad, Dad! Dad <laughs> look! Dad just turned over as he's kept cheering, oh, yeah. <laughs> but you weren't stopping. You were going to finish that sheet before you sorted oh, yeah. it out. Everyone was always on tender hooks with that farmer, you know. Yeah, that's what it would have been, his presence. It, 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 he oh, wasn't his a very name, warming. Johnny. And there used to be that song. Dum, 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 dum. Here's Johnny. Oh, oh, here's Johnny. Johnny. They should turn it up hard out when Johnny pull up on his land cruiser. <laughs> <laughs> they just play it over and over. <laughs> he was quiet. Was he a narrow-minded person? Oh, he's, he's a redneck. Tia and Tom are full of stories like this and I wish we had time to tell them all. But it was on the road that they finally got the chance to bond, even if it was through breaking up fights, underage driving and, you know, killing sheep. You cheer all day and then kill a couple of sheep and hang them up for the night for meat for the shearing team. Well, she'd always come over and sit down by me, roll me a smoke and pass me a stubby and we'd just chat away and those were our times. It was just us. After work, you'd want to just sit around the fire and have your drinks, and I loved that. I just loved. Sometimes, before you know it, you've drunk half a carton. Not so much me. <laughs> and then you're back in your skate bed <laughs> with the big dip in it. It's great for a shearer's back, actually. <laughs> but anyhow, yeah, and then it's silent, and all you can hear is like this. <laughs> That's the last thing you hear before you go to sleep. <laughs> We're still here. <laughs> Tom and Tia worked and travelled together, sleeping under the stars for years. Tia roused it until she was 28, when she met the father of her first two kids. He was known to be not such a good character, but he was quite funny and I was attracted to that. He was a presser and I was roused about him. Unfortunately, it turned sour quite quickly. It was quite a violent relationship. There were many times of myself leaving and then coming back, leaving, coming back. Uh, he actually broke my nose. I was actually three months pregnant at the time. Um, Dad did try to help. First thing I want to do is go around there and beat the living crap out of him. And so he bided his time, bided his time, and he went around. 
and he ran out the back. So Dad and um, my younger brother was with him at the time. They chased him with a cricket bat and he could bloody run apparently. So they couldn't catch him. So the next best thing was to um, smash up his car. <laughs> that sort of wasn't good on my behalf because then I copped the flack for that, of course. She kept so much from me because she knew that I was very overly protective. She was my only daughter. He broke my daughter's nose and I was going to give him a good hiding and see how he liked it. Eventually I started to value myself. I was strong enough within myself to say no more and, and finally leave. And it had to go as far as him being imprisoned. I was always in contact with the authorities and had him charged. He was charged with grievous bodily harm, 64 counts of breaching a violence restraining order and spent 18 months in jail. But once he got out, he took her to court to get custody of the kids. And, and the result was I was given full custody of the children, so he has no, he has no rights. That was quite a feat in doing that. I was quite, I was very proud of myself. That's when that chapter of my life really ended. It was over. It was done. That was the end. Tia and the kids moved in with her dad while she rebuilt her life. Tom was shearing for a local farmer, and he concocted a cunning plan. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we were over the shed there, local farmer's shed. Shearing away there, and anyway, we we're talking away. Me. I think he asked me, uh, oh, Tia's still your place, yeah. is she? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He said, You want to take her out for a drink or something? Yeah, get her out of my hair for a bit, wouldn't you? <laughs> anyway, I just wrote down a phone number on a piece of paper or shit that I could find laying around. I passed him that phone number, I said, <laughs> Give her a call sometime. She just wants to be looked after and appreciated and loved. So they hadn't even gone on a date or anything, but you told him that she just wanted someone to to look after her and love her. Well, straight down the line, I always have been, and that's the way it is. And good thing he was, because it worked. A few days later, Tia got a text message from Eric asking her out. Dad offered to babysit, and away I went one night, and we um, we went looking for ruse or something. But I had a few drinks at his place with his friends who were staying with him at the time. It was quite it was quite a nice night. And after just a few dates, Tia knew this was it. Eric adored her and the kids, and helped them get their lives back on track. And the rest, as they say, is history. So my partner, he's. He's wonderful. He's been a lifesaver in, in a lot of ways. Having his support and his love and knowing that he's 100%, well, he's 200%, and it reflects on, on your children bringing them up. So you, so you sort of break that cycle of how you were brought up with his, his family and extended family. Um, trying to adapt to, I don't know, it sounds weird, but having people take the time out and care and be loving and to not forget a birthday. It was pretty overwhelming. Just coming over for a simple dinner with, with his family and we'd never really sat down. I don't, I, to be honest, I don't remember a good family dinner of, of my own growing up. Yeah, it's quite emotional.
Then when I was 35 and settled in a much happier place with my current partner, things weren't going too well for Dad. He was sort of, he was in bad company at the time. Everything I do in life, I look for loopholes and circumnavigate things, you know? I don't know why. I've done that all my life. To circumnavigate things and beat systems legally. Supposedly it's breaking the law, but... No, I don't think I'm bad. Just mischievous. Unfortunately, he um, made a few bad choices and which landed him in jail. I ended up in prison because I supposedly committed an offence. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was charged with a deprivation of liberty and with intent and causing grievous bodily harm. Yeah, maximum of 10 years on each charge if I was found guilty, yeah. Apparently he's, he's cut this guy's ear, ear off and I don't really know how I felt. Dad's uh, been accused, so that's a buddy that was a low point. How Tom got here is a bit of a messy story and the charges against him were eventually dropped, but not before he spent six months in jail on remand. It was a hell of a shock. You know, all, all my life I've been around people. The sharing industry, there's always somebody around. It's a communal thing. Then suddenly you've got nothing. You don't even own the clothes that you're wearing in there. And I always swore in my own head I would break that cycle. That cycle of um, physical and mental abuse in that, you know? I would break that within my own children. And... It's been a hard, long road. <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm what, what am I, about 38 now. I feel twice my age. I feel like I've lived. I feel that I failed letting her um, go out into that big wide world in the industry at such a, a young age. She was still a kid. My life now is, well, it's more settled, <laughs> a lot more stable, with my partner on his farm, beautiful farm, with our four kids, so it's quite busy. It's good to be... Um, have the kids grow up in different circumstances than myself. Oh, you guys are spoiled. These days, Tia and Tom live on neighbouring farms. Both of them still pitch in to shear and play rouseabout as needed. But mostly, Tom's happily settled in his shed with a yard full of cacti, a couple of cars he's working on, and his beloved pet pigs, which he eats. Well, I always said, if I live till I'm 50 years old, I will be so wrapped, anything after that's a bonus, so now I just... This is where I'm going to die. Yep, there's nowhere else for me out there. This is home. Reminds me of those big, vast, open plains of the station country. This is paradise. It is. No, look at you. And Tia's happily settled just down the road with Eric and the latest additions to their mob. And this is a beautiful bundle of scrumptiousness. Just want to make sure my kids feel special, that they feel wanted and loved and cared for. Yeah, I couldn't, couldn't have asked for a better partner in life. They're very blessed. I'm happy that she's happy and, yeah, that puts me at ease. 
as, as she's always there and in the background for me, I'll always be there for her. She was my little darling and she always will be. Leith Alexander brought us Tom and Tia's story. The supervising producer was Kirsty Melville. I'm Miyuki Okiranta. Thanks for your company on RN Summer. Next week, we're heading to Mars. Catch you then.